I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Kago Lasso podcast. We are your hosts, Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad. This is the recap for the Gold Cup final where the U.S. beat Mexico 1-0 in extra time i uh, if you're watching this on youtube have my sort of brand new studio set up still a work in progress and jimmy is uh in a parking lot because he lost his power jimmy how are you and give us an update of what's going on other than the havoc that we'll talk about of the u.s versus mexico what's going on with you man well i think some fans were upset uh that i was so excited at my house watching the game and uh they cut a uh, big tree and hit the power lines and obviously i'm in a hot spot for fires so there's fire trucks and police officers all over the place. So I guilted uh, my good friend, Monty Rossetti, to let me stay in his car. And we're here, baby. We're getting after it because the passion is real. The enthusiasm is real. USA has won the Gold Cup against all the odds, and I'm here for it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. The passion. The, I mean, also to just go down the route of conspiracy theory to assume that <laughs> uh, the L Tree fans just literally took down, down a tree. tree. L Tree yeah. took down a tree. Uh, yeah, tree that, that actually makes tree. that makes a lot of sense. I'll tell you who's a tree. Uh, Funes Mori up top is a tree. That is a big body. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, so I, I want to start just from the beginning of. Do you think the U.S. I don't want to go in. I don't want to use words like deserved. But was this the U.S.'s game to win or to lose in your eyes? I didn't have any expectations. I think we made that pretty clear, you know, you and I throughout this, this podcasting around the Gold Cup. And, and the fans that were upset were the ones that had expectations. This was a group to experiment. This was a group to test. And I think that I had nothing to lose. This was all on Mexico. And now I worry a little bit about Tata Martino and, and his job, even though I think he should be fine. But I could see there being a reaction. Hey, you lost to two in two finals to, to the Americans. That's unacceptable. We, we won't stand for that. But, but with regard to the U.S., I thought they had everything to gain and nothing to lose. And I think we definitely found some players that can help us in World Cup qualifying. And not only that, as we saw around Twitter, we have to put some respect on Greg Berhalter's name. I mean, for him to have won this tournament with this collection of players, to have the belief in this collection of players and then for them to follow through is nothing short of extraordinary. I'm really proud. Yeah. Jimmy, you and I were texting before the game going, going, Greg, what is you doing? You know, like making those changes in a final, you've had the entire tournament to tinker, right? You've had your chance to put in George Bell. You've had your opportunity to change, to put Reggie Cannon in who you obviously brought in as your first choice to start the tournament. You had all these things that you could have done leading up to this and you didn't do it. And now you wait for a final you know, even for me to, in full transparency, it felt like it was almost like taking the edge off of the tournament of like, Oh, we're, we're, and that sounds terrible. Like not that we were mm -hmm. expecting to lose, but to, but to create a few mechanisms that made it about the, the, the development and the test and the journey and less so the outcome of that journey. And, and, and I was proven quite wrong. I thought those players played well. I also think that he stepped in and, and made the changes back to what I thought was going to be the starting lineup around the 60th minute, uh, bringing in a, a great spark and, 
yeah, what, what, what were your initial thoughts on that, on the starting lineup and, and then how that starting lineup performed against this Mexico side? I just thought that the rule of thumb, Heath, and I think you fall into this as well, that if you have a back four that's working and that is getting results because they were coming off of three consecutive 1-0 wins, you don't change that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he didn't make just one change to the back line, but he made two. Now, Reggie Cannon, I think, makes a lot of sense because he was the first choice. He might even be our first choice at times, depending on where you put Serginho Des for our A team. So him coming back in, if he's feeling, feeling fit and Shaq Moore maybe he's a little bit tired or whatever you want to, however you want to assess him, that makes sense. But George Bello, only 90 minutes ever playing for the, the U.S. against Martinique, yeah. which is... Here's a final. Yeah, how about a final against Mexico where 90% of the, the audience is going to be against you? I thought he looked up for it. I thought there was one criticism that I would have of him, and this is where I think his youth showed, was the fact that Matthew Hoppy, who sat in front of him as the winger, had to continue to come back and defend inside of his own box. Now, fair play to Matthew Hoppy and Jossie Zardes and everybody else for wanting to go back and to do the extra things that we needed to, but it really made it hard for us at times to transition. And I feel like if you had, let's say, we'll just use DeMarcus Beasley as an example. It's just a guy that played in four World Cups. It's no big deal. <laughs> but if he had been at left back, I just feel like he would have joysticked Matthew Hoppy a little bit so that our team shape was a little bit better. And that's where I would maybe say that if you had Sammy Vines out there, maybe it would have looked a little bit different from the outset because those relationships would have already been established, right? Because they've already had that experience. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was worried about. And even though our lines did collapse on each other, and even though I thought we survived the first half a little bit, even though Ariella missed that, that good chance, um, the, those were the things that I was concerned about. But once, once that 60th minute hit, once maybe those subs came on, once you said like we, the, the, the starting lineup that we thought we were going to see got out on the field, we started to relax, and I thought we played a lot better from that point on. I want to get your take on this. I think that as the tournament went on, legit just blended into the team. Like he didn't stand out as the guy you bring in to lead this team. He just sort of, to me, and he has bright moments, but he sort of just fades away. Maybe that's his style of play because he's a complimentary style mm-hmm, of play mm-hmm. more than a game game maker or game changer. But I thought that over the tournament, he was one that was a, a shoe in to me before. And then now when I go into, I take this group, I add it to the gold, uh, to the nation's league and I blend it all up together. I'm not sure he is that go-to, even though he's been a starter for, for, for Greg for so long. Do you think that's a hot take, or am I just overanalyzing and taking a few moments and judging him on that? Or what, what's, what's your take on, on, on Leggett? And Ariola, for example, who I thought proved me wrong today in his energy and looking back fit and being disruptive, although I do think that a player of his caliber should finish the chance that he got. <laughs> um, what, what, what are your thoughts on those two things? I would say with regard to Leggett, that he, his, his ability, I think one of his strengths is to kind of blend in with the team and not necessarily have to be the star. He doesn't need the limelight. He doesn't need the ball every single time, or he's not going to throw up his arms if things don't go his way. You know, he's not that type of player. And I think that Greg appreciates that about him. I appreciate that about him. I would say that I think he's making the 23-man World Cup roster no matter what. I think he's a guy that you could start him, you could play him five minutes, he can not play at all, and he'll still have a good attitude and be a good guy to have in the team. And and so, but also maybe a player that can you know raise his game to the competition. I, I think as we get into Miles Robinson a little bit, I think that what that's what he showed throughout this tournament. Now, with Ariola, I'm still I don't know how sold I am on him because we have so many other options in that particular area of the field. But with the emergence of Matthew Hoppy, with uh, the continued development of Eunice Musa as he gets healthy from his injury that he currently has. 
those could make Ariolas and Legettes a little bit more obsolete. But I still think they're going to have a big role to play in World Cup qualifying. And it's clear that Greg trusts them. So Jossie Zardes, I think, falls into the same category. And maybe even Christian Roldan now at this point. But this was such a big, big tournament for a lot of these players to prove that they can be counted on and trusted to be important parts and 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 they can always lean back on this experience this is going to be a bond and something that when you win a trophy and heath you know this they can never take it away from you you can say all the shit that you want about whatever else you've done in your career but you know you did something you accomplished something with this particular group of guys and i think that's something they're going to lean on and even the nation's league guys can say the same thing and now they just got to blend all those guys together and now we have i think we've proven we've got a pretty deep pool and maybe a little bit deeper than people think yeah, I look back at the 2009 Gold Cup final a lot, and I think, think about, about what I was thinking before that match. And one of the things I was thinking about before that match was how the 2007 team had won it, right? And I was thinking about what that would mean to not win it and the pressure of the U.S.-Mexico. I remember playing in, in, the, in the Dos Acero in Columbus thinking about what was the, what was his, like what side of history do I want to be on when it comes to Mexico? <laughs> because they, they have such a rich history versus the U.S. and it's so competitive and they have this thing called Dos Acero and they have all these things that, you know, you have to be thinking about that going into the game. It's hard not to think that you are a part of this running history, right? And that's what makes that rivalry so interesting and so intense is that mm -hmm. it, you're 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 now attaching whatever you do whether it's a friendly whether it's in a competition whether it's a you know whether it's a qualifier or a tournament or whatever like all of that becomes strung together into this cultural phenomenon that it's impossible not to think about uh previous results and what that would mean for you within with regard to history so i i, I find that really interesting that these players were able to rise to this challenge against a team that had seven starters in 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 the nation's league final a far more experienced squad against our u.s team and at no point did i think that the u.s were not willing to go punch for punch or looking out of their depths or looking like the underdog oh God, the game could have gone either way for a number mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. times and even probably more often than not could have gone to mexico they didn't convert uh, that's on them. But the, now the U.S., like you said, they can't take that from you. No one will ever remember how this game went down or how it was played or who played well or who didn't. They'll look at the fact that this, just like it is for Bayern Munich in Germany or if you're Man City in, in, in England now or PSG in France, there's win or fail in CONCACAF, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And the U.S. and Mexico both have this perspective. Mexico more so than the U.S., I think, historically. But there is no room for second place uh, with regard to Tata Martino. And I think his job will be safe. Hopefully it will, because I think he's done a great job with, with yes. him there. Uh, but you're seeing what that means to Mexico and the Federation and everything like that, that this type of pressure that you lose to the U.S. twice in one summer. Once is bad enough, twice is terrible, and a B team at that. And you start to wonder, you start to realize just the importance of who, what, in, in CONCACAF, that it's the top dog or bust. Uh, do you agree with that sort of pressure? Or do you think it's a little bit more of like, we're the two kings of CONCACAF. Yes, Canada's coming up. And it's more about how we play against the other regions or perform in other competitions. No, I think it's there for sure. The pressure should be there. I think it's going to make us both better, if that makes sense, that we're competing and, and uh, giving each other the hardest of times. I mean, I think we had a nice run there during my era of playing where we never lost to Mexico for you know, three, four, five years. And then all of a sudden the tables turned and now they had the better of us. And now it's starting to go back, maybe shift in our favor. I'll say this, and we talked about it in the preview that we're very good on set pieces and Mexico is, is not great. And the goals that we scored and generated in the Nations League final were set pieces. And the goal that we scored tonight was on the set piece. Not a big surprise to me. 
Uh, frankly, pretty surprised that Miles Robinson still had the, the energy to get as high as he did to, to head that one home. And a great ball by Kellen Acosta. What I'll say is, though, I think the loss of Hector Moreno to that hamstring injury or hip or whatever it was complaining, I think maybe right before halftime, was, was a big loss for them. Because they brought in a player, Salcedo, who, who started the game against Canada, didn't play particularly well, then didn't start. So he probably didn't feel great about himself. His confidence wasn't high. And they just didn't have that the same type of quality coming out of the back that I think Moreno provides. And I think that ended up being a bigger loss for them than maybe they all even care to admit. Or maybe he will. I don't know. Tata Martino seems to be pretty transparent with his thoughts more often than not. So I think that was a big loss. But, but the goal that Areola should have scored was a, a play that they created. There was two mistakes there for Mexico that we tried to exploit. And you're right. We have to take advantage of that. And then Jossi Zardes, obviously, he had one as well that needs to be put away and you can isolate the Mexican defenders if you can break their press and I thought we did a pretty good job of that as the game wore on once we started to make the subs I thought our subs had much more of an impact than theirs and that had been proven over the last you know three or four games that our super subs when they come on they make a big difference and there's a certain attitude that they're not just going to go out there and be just be a cone they're going to go out there and actually make a difference and, and have some influence on the game so whatever Greg's telling those guys or whatever they're embodying before they step on the field is important and I know I've taken this thought on the tangent I'm in a parking lot, everybody. Okay. I'm just going to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. No, but I, I, I do think there's a lot of pressure and, and pressure is going to determine a lot of things, not, not only from our perspective, but the Mexican perspective, what are players they can count on world cup qualifying, you know, who are they going to have as their best starting 11? And I think they probably had some answers tonight as well. And, and maybe Tata Martino didn't press all the right buttons, but they still haven't given up a goal in the run of play to us in, in quite some time. And actually for a good majority of the game, I didn't really feel like they looked all that, trouble that it really feel like we made them suffer we had a lot of people back behind the ball but it wasn't like we we made them suffer and and they're 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 our chance our best chances were from their mistakes they're casual maybe that's what we we're trying to do just make it as casual as possible make it look easy and then we'll try to tr transition and go the other way so i i don't know I, I'm, I'm just buzzing that we won it's a big surprise i think for a, a lot of us we were shocked by how well we played how consistent we were in so many different facets of the game and and I think that's my biggest takeaway collectively. Yeah, I think there was a time in the match where Tata Martino, I thought, was going to be the genius in this one, where they were baiting the U.S. to press. And as soon as the U.S. pressed with numbers, they were skipping the lines and trying to create a 4v4 in the back line. And they were successful a few times of just lumping it like the U.S. tries to just make it predictable and then collapse on a press. On, on, on top of them and they were just lumping it forward they were able to get off of sands or robinson bring the ball down and now they're in this attack situation and i thought wow this is going to be the death of us this is going to be a dangerous situation where the u.s is now sort of disoriented they were able to change that like mexico saw something on the fly of saying hey they're going to keep on pressing on us so let's let's test that press let's just play a little more direct which is unusual for mexico to lump it up to a forward get it down win the second balls out wide and attack and mm -hmm. there was a, a a short period of time where i was like oh man the us is not going to be able to break this because again a strength of funes mori is that he he is a big body up top right he is a little bit different in terms of the type of strikers that they usually have in terms of mobility and speed he's a bigger more physical presence and i thought wow this this is this is genius and then it fell apart and, and i agree with you i think when when hector moreno went out just the whole transition of the just the speed of the game change the confidence of the game he's mm -hmm. got this calm about him that sometimes looks like hector moreno is just going to get into a bad spot and the team's going to lose. weirdly reminds me of rafa marquez at situations where he's so casual that you're like there's no way 
There's mm-hmm. no way. And then all of a sudden you see him come out with the ball. He's standing up. He's spinning out of this. He's calm. He's smiling. How, like you're like, wow, how does how does he do it with that much composure? But when he's off, you can obviously see the team suffers. So let me let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you for uh, your your most impressive player from each of the Lions, and then your your player of the tournament from from the U.S. team. Does that work for you? Yeah, that works. I will say that uh, Matt Turner, I thought was fantastic uh he, he is he's clutch gene he, he makes the timely save i don't know if that's something you can always teach i think that's a mentality i think that's a gift in a lot of different ways and so uh i'd say matt turner he's the only one on that line he's the only player that go play for us in the goalkeeper yeah. so so he's an easy pick i will say uh, miles robinson i think was the one player in our back line that got progressively better with each passing game there was a big article before this match kicked off from his parents saying his parents were like, he hasn't even played his best yet. And I agree with them. And I think we saw, I think we saw what he's capable of, that, yeah. that he can raise his game to the level of the competition. And I think once he starts to get even more confidence, he'll start to take those steps past that, right? Where he doesn't have to play to the level of the competition. He's just going to play at Miles Robinson's level. And I think the future is really bright for him. And I just, he could be the guy starting right next to, to John Brooks when World Cup qualifying starts. Yeah, I right? also I mean, that's... want to point out that he played left center back in this tournament. And you know what that's like, Jimmy. Were you yeah. more, I mean, I, I'm a right footer playing left center back. Yeah. yeah. And, and were you always more comfortable on that side? Or was that like, if I'm going to get on the field, I got to be good anywhere because yeah, I, yeah. I, I certainly feel more comfortable as a left footer on left center back or left back. No, no, no. I, I knew that was my only spot. You know, Eddie Pope and Aguchi on Yehu, you know, or that was it. I was, that was the only way I was going to get on the field. So it made it very easy for me not to just keep my mouth shut and, and uh, get after it. And Miles seems very simple. I uh, just seems to be doing the same thing. I will say, though, when I was on the left side, I didn't try to overplay, right, because the angles weren't the same. I had to make everything very clean, very simple, mm-hmm. and not overcomplicate things. And maybe that helps Miles as well. I thought it helped me when I was playing with the national team just to keep everything really simple it, because I wasn't in my – I couldn't hit that big switch, you know? Yeah. The last thing I'll say about him before we move to your midfield line is – the one thing that I did see that he did was that driving into the midfield from that left center back position. He did it once and it broke free and it was a little bit of a chaotic play, but like he was able to break free three, four. And when his stride opened up, he broke the line on the dribble. And I was yeah, like, yeah. that's a good thing from that left side. When you're getting pinned to your left foot to know that sometimes you have that option to go with your right drive inside uh, against the run of play, you know, as things are shifting over. And I thought that was a, a really a uh, smart play from him that led to a, a, an extremely dangerous moment for the U S uh, wh- what's your, g- give me your midfielder that impressed you the most from this tournament for the U S side. Uh, Kellen Acosta. I think he demonstrated that he can be somebody we can really trust in world cup qualifying, obviously. Starting the nation's league final as well. So he has that experience and that feather in his cap. What I really loved about him is his, his work rate. I think he does a lot of thankless work. I think he does, some N'Golo Kante type stuff where, where he blocks so many passing lanes that, that maybe you don't appreciate. And, and the center backs will probably be gushing about him. I love playing with Kellen Acosta. Really the big change for me with regard to the team and his performance overall was that we didn't start him in the six against Canada. And once we did against Jamaica in the first knockout round game, it, it unlocked a few things. I think for him in particular, like ah, I'm in my sweet spot. This is, this is where I should be and Bustio should be at the eight or off yeah. my shoulder. And I thought that's really where he started to take bigger steps. And I thought he emerged as a real proper leader for us and, and somebody that's protecting a young back four while also holding the midfield together and helping us transition. And, and not only that, by the way, 
the guy's dropping dimes on set pieces as well to help us win the tournament. So yeah. that seems like an easy choice, Kellen Acosta. And then up top. Wait, hold on. I would, Real quick, Jimmy, before you get yeah, to go that, I want to say, one, in, I wanna say one thing on, on Acosta. My worry with Acosta is he is so pivotal defensively that the U.S. is still missing somebody that's connected to him that really wants the ball in tight spots. I think when the game got tight, we had a really good combination play to open up the game. And I was like, okay, these guys are willing to play and play brave. And then as soon as the earth shook a little bit under us, we started to play a little more conservative, a lot more reverse passes on the ball, right? I think he was right, unbelievable right. defensively and on set pieces. Acosta was amazing. But we're still missing that person that goes, okay, now in buildup, you're going to shift out and you're going to maybe connect the triangles around, but I'm going to be the one that wants it in these tight spots. I'm going to turn out of tight spaces. I'm going to, I'm going to combine. I'm going to be the one that creates the metronome of our attacking buildup. And I think that's missing with a player like him because most of the attributes we compliment him for are putting out fires, covering ground, being a fighter, being a scrapper. I think all of that stuff is great. Cutting out passing lanes. All of those intangibles are all defensive first. But for a team that has so much talent in our attack now, if we can't find a way with our A team to get the ball to those good players in good spots, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's also a little bit of a concern for me that I think we need to figure out who's going to be playing next to him um, uh, most importantly as we move forward. So I think no, he is a good contributor, and I agree with everything you're saying. Sure. But yeah, that's the next step that I want to see combined to complement his strengths. I, I hope that he can provide that. But if he can't, I also don't want to force him to be somebody he's not. So... That's interesting. I also say with Tyler Adams, who seems to be kind of injury prone, it's nice to know that we have somebody that we can trust and count on in those big moments. So, so I thought Kellen Acosta, I, th I, th I think Greg Berlitzer already knew who he, who he had in Kellen Acosta because he's been calling them inconsistently. But the rest of us, or I'll say the, the, the lay person that supports the U.S. men's national team, I think will be pleasantly surprised and continue to be won over by how he played throughout this tournament for sure. Okay, so give me give me your your attacker. Yeah, it's gonna be easy to say maybe with some of the goal scorers. I think Matthew Hoppy is probably my choice in that front line. And the reason is because he has a little bit of that Clint Dempsey-esque. And we talked about this a little bit after he gave a little I don't know, a little attitude to Greg when he got subbed out because he was pissed, I think, that he got subbed out. Yeah. But he's got something to him and, and he doesn't back down from people, and that's with or without the ball. I really liked that he was doing the thankless work to, to get back and track people into the box. Now, I don't want him doing that because that's just a sign for me that our team shapes off. But the fact that he would do that, I, I really appreciate it. Now, of course, Jossie, I want to throw him in there just because the guy still does it and shows up. Yeah, he'll miss his, off, you know, his chance from time to time. But what he provides, too, is, is something invaluable in terms of that work rate, that, that he's got a good attitude. And I think that's really, really important. But just in terms of who took the biggest steps and maybe surprised me the most, I'd say Matthew Hoppe mm -hmm. uh, was, was very, very good and, and wants the ball, finds himself in good spots, wants the responsibility. You can tell that he, like, I'm going to score this goal and I don't give a shit about anybody or anything. I'm just going to make sure I score this goal. And, and I think that feels a little bit Clint Dempsey-esque where if, if things aren't going well, he's going to figure out a way to make sure it starts to go well. Yeah, my, my, my final thought on Hoppy is that Again, I think he's shown all the things he's capable of. Now, he needs to get into an environment of somebody who can harness that, right? And turn that right. into something special because he is relentless. And he's got that attitude where I used to watch games and I'd always see, you know, uh, a striker, the, those stubborn, arrogant strikers where they take the shot and everyone throws their arms up around <laughs> wanting the ball on the cross. 
And they're completely unfazed by somebody being mad. Rise like when I used to take shots and somebody would throw their arms up, I'd apologize to everyone who threw their arms up. Like, right, <laughs> that should have been a different decision. But you have these guys that have this confidence and this one track mind that he has where when he takes the shot, he truly, truly believes if you have a tap in or him on the shot, that the right idea is the shot. And that is good to a point. Uh, and when you're performing well, and I think that's a really powerful thing to have that stubborn one track mentality of being an attacker where it's like, if I get into these positions, I'm letting it go. And I, I, you know, I'll apologize later, but when I'm in the zone, I still like my chances on the ball uh, and, and converting that chance than, than, than trying to pick out a perfect pass or something like that. Obviously the tap in is a bad example, but, but I, I mm-hmm. really like that about his mentality. It just needs to be harnessed into something powerful that one makes his game a little less predictable than it is now, which is get the ball, run with it and, and run into walls, run into wall, run into wall, run into wall, and hopefully break through and be able to mix that up with a few other things like combination play and, and whatnot. But he's shown his ability to have some better range passing and his confidence mm-hmm, to just, mm-hmm. he doesn't think he can't do anything. And I, and I really like that, especially at the international level, maybe it's an age thing, maybe it's an inexperienced thing, but, but uh, I hope it's kind of like uh, Peter Pan, like, you know, like this Neverland type of thing where he, <laughs> he, feels, he thinks he's invincible. And I think we haven't had a player like that uh, since Clint Dempsey, who was willing to argue about anybody over anything and run through walls to be able to get things and put the team on his shoulders. And I think that's a powerful thing um, and, and worth something. So Jimmy, give me your, let's, let's, let's wrap up this uh, gold cup final review with your player of the tournament and and your closing thoughts here well i'll start with my closing thought uh, i still haven't taken off my seatbelt, which is super random and super awesome so that's that's <laughs> a good way to start. we can't see it so anybody, that's anybody, yeah just so you it's guys not, know as a reminder jimmy's in a car right now with a stick mic um but, but you know what the the enthusiasm's real like i wanted to finish off this tournament we've gone yeah. every step of this journey together i'm like not gonna just because of some stupid tree that some L tree fans probably put because I was banging my drum and having fun with my megaphone during the during the game. Yeah, um, yeah but I'm here for it. I, I would say that my player of the tournament. Oh man, I, I I'll, I'll I give you my, mine to kick it off, I, and I'm not going to okay. explain why. Matt Turner, best player to me in the tournament, kept yeah. this team into it. I don't think this team played particularly well, but that's the way it, what it takes sometimes. But the one consistency that kept them in games that prevented them from playing Mexico early on, from from lo- losing it to Qatar, to Qatar, to keeping them in against Mexico, yeah. to keeping them ahead against Canada, yeah. was Matt Turner. And so he's he's my player. And I, again, I am I said this on, on, on HQ earlier. Every, every one of these players from the U.S. that has a good game is now linked to 11 clubs, right? Greg Walter <laughs> talks about critical mass of players going abroad. He's one that I cannot understand how he's not linked. And I know people criticize his feet pretty heavily. But I'll tell you what, over 50% of the clubs in the top five leagues have goalies that have terrible feet. So That's I think true. he'd be fine. And he steps up to these challenges. So I'd love to see him make uh, a move. And I'm not saying that, that, that the revs aren't the right place for him. But I do think there is a, a, a bigger challenge out there for him that I think he can step up to. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to have to lean towards Matt Turner as well for those thoughts. I think that was a pretty influential uh, standing up for him. And, and I'm, I'm probably given like when I started thinking through his saves and his timely saves and mm-hmm. it just gives so much confidence, especially to the young back four that we had. Miles Robinson would have to be in that conversation along with Kellen Acosta. I think those three guys were probably uh, the most influential, most important to our success in this particular uh, instance. I don't know if you saw this or not, but CONCACAF, Gave the player of the tournament to, drum roll please, Hector Herrera. <laughs> oh my! If you God. can believe that, apparently they wanted uh, Mexico to go home with some type of trophy, even if it's an individual one. So fair play to Hector Herrera. After 
kicking Eric Williamson in the head, which should have been an automatic red card. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, that should have been a red card. Yeah, that referee definitely uh, did not want to give out yellows. But um, certainly wanted to disrupt play. Uh, Ian gave him a lot of a lot of praise on HQ. I thought it was good that he was like getting involved, but I thought he disrupted the flow of the game a lot, and the game just kept dying and allowed players to to basically stop the flow, yeah. constantly just kill yeah. the game and make it be a restart, which is a good tactical plan. But I like to see those games open up a little more because anytime you had these long runs of play in that game, they were just going goal to goal, which was pretty exciting and nail biting at the same time. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I will just finish off by saying I think this Gold Cup revealed a lot. I think that we have a shift. I think that the U.S. is starting to regain gain some control over Mexico and their domination over the last few years. I think that we're seeing some teams that are always kind of in the conversation, Costa Rica, Panama, Honduras, dropping off a little bit. We're seeing Canada really start to take some big steps as emerging into a force to be reckoned with. I think uh, Qatar was a big surprise at the tournament. I think they're better than most people realize. And then you have El Salvador. You have these other countries that are starting to get a little bit better as well. And I think this is a great tournament for every country involved because they learned a little bit something about their development, whether it's taking a step down or taking a step up. And, and from a U.S. perspective, I think we just demonstrated that uh, it doesn't matter what league you play in. If you're ready to play when the whistle blows, that's what matters the most. And I'm really excited for the future. Well said, Jimmy. I like it. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to give my closing thoughts because I think that was great, but uh, that's it from us. Everybody that listened, we appreciate all of you. This gold cup was such an exciting one. Jimmy and I enjoyed the process and the journey with each and every one of you, not knowing uh, who would be playing in the final. We got to go with you guys every step of the way. And on behalf of myself, Jimmy Conrad, Tim, Lisa, Luis, and everybody at uh including brad uh at the uh cbs team that is it from us for the gold cup uh 2021 jimmy is this the 2021 or is this the 2020 version in 2021 yeah right? i don't even know what it's called anymore, anymore. But, but we want it so whatever it's all good yeah it's all good the u.s win it this version of the gold cup and of course as always you can follow this podcast on kegelasso pod on social media and make sure you download this wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also catch this on YouTube if you're looking for the video version. Make sure you comment, like, and subscribe on there. And until next time, Jimmy and I will see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.